everybody else didn't just come here today to punch their time on a time clock, but if you came to Sanctuary Church on New Year's Eve to experience God again. Why don't we just lift our hands one more time and give God glory for what he's about to do in this place. Oh, Jesus, we love you, God, and we praise you today. We thank you for all that you've done already in this service, but we thank you for what you're about to do, for chains that are broken, for for things that we're delivered from, for your spirit that you're going to pour out and minister to us through. If you wasn't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be. God has a word for you today. It's not because I'm preaching, because I'm not any more special than anybody else. But if you wasn't supposed to get a word, you wouldn't be at church. I'm going to let you sit down just for a moment, because I want to talk a little bit before I start taking up my time. I just, right, I'll set my clock. I just want to say, and, and I think he had to step out, but, but for a couple people, I want to give honor to um, that you need to know about because they make everything go so well um, going on trips like Holiday Youth Convention. Um, Brother Terry Snow is incredible, and I know that you know that um, because you see him all the time, but he does all the little things that makes things work. He never is trying to get in the spotlight, but he makes sure Everything goes well. And two others that, that were unable to be here today, too, is Drew and Savannah Hancock. Oh, my word. Um, they do everything. They do everything. I mean, I know that you, they sold tiles to, to help us go to um, Youth Congress, and then they, they're always there. They're always supportive. Um, and when you see those people, just give them a big old hug and tell them thank you for all you do for Sanctuary Church. They have transformed. I don't know if you know this, but but a lot of times these front couple rows are filled with college age and, and career age people, and that's the work of Drew and Savannah and Brother Terry Snow, um, and that's incredible. Um, give them honor when you can. Um, they are great, great people. Um, I want to turn to Joshua chapter six, verses one through five, and Galatians chapter six, verses seven through nine. And you can keep your seat. Um, I'll, I'll have you standing later anyway, hopefully. Or not. When, when I tell you to stand up to pray, will be the next time. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 says this. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I want to preach from a subject that I hope gives honor to my pastor who has preached this subject from this pulpit many times in many different ways. I want to preach from this topic, the flash of faithfulness. I don't much care for patience. I, that's not what you're, you don't want to, some of y'all need to leave right now. Preacher gets up and says, I don't care for patience. But, but if I was honest, it's better for me to be honest than come up here and lie to you, I suppose. I know it's a virtue. I know that. I know it's the virtue. I know that it's in the Bible, and, and the Bible speaks very good about patience. It's something that we need in our lives. But patience isn't exactly the thing that I excel at or want to be good at the most. Um, you've heard people say, don't you ever pray for patience, or else you will get some, or at least get an opportunity to learn about it. You've heard it. I know that I'm not the only one that struggles with this, though, because I've seen some of y'all drive. <laughs> I've seen some of you drive around in a car like Speed Racer, honking at folks, getting mad in the car rider line, rolling down your window because you're so ready to share the gospel with, um, <laughs> with the people that don't know how to use the car rider line. I give you a hard time, but, but, but there is a true story about this for me. Um, first of all, the reason why I don't drive around, and Lauren drives me basically everywhere, because I can't drive and stay saved. Um, and I can't drive also, and Lauren stays saved. Um, and so it's best when we made the car decals. We made the car decals a few years ago, and, and I decided to go ahead and not put one on my car because I did not want to be the reason why somebody didn't come to Sanctuary Church. You start thinking about that, and you're like, you know, I want to represent, but I want to represent well. And you got to be a Christian driver, too. We're, it's about patience. You know, we try to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I can tell you I had a fantastic time at Holiday Youth Convention, but if I could have just teleported home, Instead of taking that five-hour drive back across the state, you can sign me up, buddy. I would have been doing that. That would have been just fine. Isn't it terrible when you try to start doing something new or learning something new? Maybe you're trying to learn a new sport or a game, and then you're excited about it, but you realize it's got this big learning curve for you to before you can be any good at it. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here that likes being bad at stuff, but that is not me. If I'm not good right away, I'm done. Um, and, and, and it doesn't tell you. There's so many things that's like this that has a huge learning curve. I can swing a golf club one time, and I can realize that I don't have the patience to be Jack Nicholas or Arnold Palmer or Tiger Woods. That's just not in me. I, can, I could go to the basketball court right now, and, and I know this is going to shock you all, but I could go to the basketball court right now and shoot one time and realize that, in fact, I am not like Mike. Um, I'm not even like Brian Scalabrini. I'm not, I'm not on the bench. I'm not on the team. I'm not getting water. That's not me. That's the, the, I'm not patient enough for that learning curve. We see these people who have perfected their craft, that 
that, and we see the results of this just seem to flash before our eyes. You know, you, you watch them and they're so incredible and they make it look so easy as they sink the tournament winning putt or the game winning shot. It looks so easy and like it just happened for them in that moment. But what we don't often see are the years and years and years of faithful practice and dedication and hard work. We don't see the late nights and early mornings. We don't see the constant struggle to push beyond what's comfortable. And we don't see the desire to never settle for what is simply good enough. Yet, under, under every success lies a firm foundation of faithful work. It's New Year's Eve, and, and we often talk about resolution failures. I, I love to laugh at people that try to do stuff because they, they remind me of me. Um, but it's doubtless, you see it every year, it's doubtless that you will know somebody this year that decides to lose weight and is successful at that. And, and I know how it works because I've seen you do it. You hadn't seen me do it, but I've seen you. And, and like one day you show up and you're just looking great. Like there was no in-between. Like one, one week you came in and you're looking normal, and then the next week you look incredible. And it happens overnight. When I do it, it takes me months and months and months, and it still don't get any good. But, but that's how it works. You see somebody, and all of a sudden you realize that they're slim and trim and fit, and they, and they look great, and you're like, how does this happen in a flash? How does this happen so quick? For them, we don't often recognize the consistent effort that people put forth over the course of days and weeks and months. We see the just the flash of the moment as someone shows up and all of a sudden they're looking like Mr. Slim Jim himself. We don't just do this naturally, we do this spiritually as well. We, we emphasize David defeating Goliath in that miracle matchup, but often gloss over David faithfully defending his father's sheep from a lion and a bear. We emphasize the miracles of Jesus, but gloss over 40 days spent in the wilderness fasting and praying. We emphasize the ministry and impact of Stephen and Philip, but gloss over the fact that they waited tables and served those around them. We talk about the walls of Jericho falling, but, but gloss over six days of silent marching before anything happened. Let me just shoot it to you straight this morning that there is only one key that will unlock the supernatural in your life. And there is... There is only one key that's going to release God to do all he wants to do in you and through you and in this church. And that key isn't charisma, and that key isn't personality, and that key isn't song selection, and that key isn't programs. But if you want to grow a garden in 2018 or grow in God in 2018, the only word that you need is faithfulness. You aren't going to be saved without biblical preaching. You're not going to be saved without it. But there isn't a hall of preaching in the Bible. You can't connect to God without worship, but there isn't a hall of worship in the Bible. You can't get right with God and be right with God unless you give, but there's not a hall of giving because God doesn't allow us as Christians to be one-dimensional and pigeonhole ourselves, focusing on only what we want, but he says, 
says, if you are going to follow me, you're going to give me your all. You're going to be faithful in all that I've called you to. And I am going to make you whole. Thank God he doesn't allow me to cherry pick and, and specialize in aspects of, of him that I just want and, and turn the other things away. He, he makes me take it all. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be complete in him. No, there's not a hall of that other stuff. But we can read in Hebrews about a hall of faith. And when it's all said and done, the only thing that's going to matter is if he looks at us and he says, Well done, my good and my faithful servant. Yes, we've got to preach. Yes, we've got to worship. Yes, we've got to give. But there's a whole lot of stuff that we have to be faithful in if we want to receive and have all that he wants us to. Faithfulness might not be flashy, it might not be cool, it might not get everybody hyped up, but we don't need any more bottle rockets and flash and fireworks. That stuff is exciting for a moment, but it is not how you light up a dark room, much less how you light up a dark world. We need a church that is willing to get their lantern and let that light shine for days and weeks and months and years. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. Great supernatural experiences are almost always preceded by faithful sacrifice. We read about the Israelites coming on the city of Jericho and seeing these impassable walls that chariots could race over top of. How intimidating would that be to run across that? You're... you're going where God has called you to go and you see this wall, that there is no way that you can get past. And it's an obstacle that would have been impossible for them to overcome. Yet God tells them that they're going to be able to bypass this, this situation, and he gives them these specific instructions. He says, for six days, I want you to march around those walls. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And when the priest sound the trumpet, the people are going to shout with a great shout. Now, I love Joshua because he is clearly being a public school teacher. I don't know how that worked in Bible times, but he was definitely a public school teacher. I can prove it to you. God gives him these very specific instructions. And then when Joshua tells those instructions to the people of Israel, he adds to them in a way that only a public school teacher would. Um, and it's, he's a man after my own heart. We can we can get um, Joshua 6 and 10 up on the screen. That would be wonderful. Joshua says this. He adds it. It says, And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout. Then shall you shout. Some of y'all said this to your kids. You said, You're not going to talk. And no noise is going to come out until I tell you that's okay. And that's what Joshua does. He says, don't do this. Now, now I might have said this to my seventh period class, but, but this, is, this is something specific that Joshua says. And I wonder, you know, why, why is this? Why, can't, why do you need to add this for the people of Israel? And, and, and I think I have the answer for you today. Joshua said this. Joshua said this because the people of Israel 
were always real good at shouting and real terrible at marching. The people of Israel were always good at shouting. They were always always game for a good shout and, and holler and all this. But they weren't so excited about marching for six days and seeing no immediate results. The people of Israel had a rich history of being up and being down and being up and being down and being excited and being depressed and being faithful and being unfaithful. And Joshua said, for a minute, I don't want you to worry about shouting, but all I want you to do is worry about marching. I want you to be consistent and I want you to be faithful and for six days I just want you to walk this just like Jesus told us to do. Now there is something wrong with somebody that calls themselves a Christian who when the priest blows the trumpet on Sunday they can always shout the house down but they haven't done anything about walking Monday through Saturday. If we want spiritual walls to fall in our services, we don't just need a Sunday shout, but we need Monday prayer, and we need our Tuesday fasting, and we need our Wednesday Bible study, and we need our Thursday witnessing, and we need our Friday holiness, and we need Saturday giving. We need a week of faithful marching and following and obeying the word of the Lord. And when we finally get to Sunday, we have something to shout about. There is no power in a shout that is not rooted and, and drawn from a life of faithfulness. There, it is a tree without roots. It is height and it is emotionalism, but it is not pleasing to God. It's a bottle rocket and not a lantern. Don't you ever believe somebody that tells you you can just shout on Sunday and live your life however you want every other day of the week. The devil is a liar. I don't care what a denomination says about it. I don't care what a TV or radio preacher says about it. Your prayer life matters. Your witnessing matters. Your fasting matters. Your giving matters. Holiness matters. Church attendance matters. How you treat others matters. It is a daily walk that matters. Denominal preachers have have gone to conferences that we've had. Brother O'Connell has talked about this. Um, and they've went to, to youth congresses, and they went to Because of the Times. And they go, and they experience God, and they say, you know, this is better than I experienced in my own church. We ain't, we ain't felt nothing like this. And they said, if y'all would take what you got and just not preach all that other stuff, I'd be with it. But what somebody needs to tell them is that it's not just about the shout on the day. The reason why that is effective and the reason why that matters is it is rooted in a daily walk and a life of faithfulness to God. It's not about just the spirit that you feel in the moment, but it's about the life that you live every day. It's about proving God faithful for six days and seeing the miraculous on the seventh. When somebody... God told them to march every day. He didn't say on the seventh day, you're going to march a whole lot and then you're going to shout and that's it. So you're going to march every day 
And on the seventh day, you're going to give it everything that you have. You're going to give it everything that you have. Now, before somebody gets too mad at me this morning, there's the other side to this. Because there's what Joshua said to the people of Israel, but there's also what God said to Joshua. And if I would be so bold as to stomp on my own toes a little bit this morning. But some of us struggle with the daily walk part. And for some people, that's the hard part. And that's no better or no worse than this. It's no better or no worse. It's just different. Some people struggle with that, but some of us don't so much struggle with the daily walk part. Some of us can live for God real pretty decent Monday through Saturday. Some of us seem to have that down. But, but God also says that when the priest blows the trumpet on the seventh day, you're going to shout. And some of us have the daily walk down, but some of us are not willing to shout when the priest blows the trumpet and lift up our voice with a great shout. Let's not waste and ruin six days of marching because we are unwilling to follow the command of God on the seventh day. Let's not waste a life of of faithfulness and a life of holiness because on Sunday we are unwilling to push just a little more and give just a little more and and search just a little more and shout with a great shout for the victory. Oh, maybe they didn't play your song and maybe maybe all that wasn't good and and maybe the pastor didn't preach it like you like to hear it, but, but that can't be the reason why we don't shout because God is always worthy. When we come together, God's prepared to do the supernatural. He's prepared to tear down walls and break strongholds down. And we can't give him the Holy Ghost golf clap. We can't do that. If you've been marching it and you've been living it and you've been believing it for six days, then on Sunday it's time to let out a great shout. Bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Has God been good to anybody this week? Has God been good to anybody this year? It would be in order if we would lift up our voice and give him a great shout of thankfulness for all that he's done and will do. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you and we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Brother Snow was talking on Friday after service, saying you go to an event like Holiday Youth Convention and the presence and the Spirit of God is so tangible that you just feel like you can reach out and grab it. You know, it's not even a spiritual thing, it almost feels like, because it's so real in that moment. It's not something that's far out, but it's something that's so close. And, and, you know, you go to these services and, and you feel that. And sometimes you go back to your home church and you're like, well, why isn't it like that? You know, the same God that, that is at 
Rogers is the same God that we worship at Sanctuary Church of Jonesboro. And, and, and he says, you know, the difference is, is preparation and expectation. You know, you, you go and, and you're, everyone's expecting to receive something for God. And, and people are, are prepared. You show up at youth convention and each service has been bathed in prayer. People have fasted for each and every service. Each person for weeks and months in advance is anticipating and expecting what God might do in that place. And surprising no one, surprising no one, when you get there, it's awesome and it's incredible and you experience God. It's, it's because the people marched when it was time to march and they shouted when it was time to shout. It is nothing but faithful obedience to God's word that allows his spirit to work in these miraculous ways. We want moments of flash. Everybody gets excited for moments of flash. People want to see an, a thousand soul revival. We want supernatural fireworks. But what we really need, if we're honest, isn't all the flash. What we really need are seeds sown in the soil of faith. Because if every member of Sanctuary Church... And I know you can do this math, and this isn't revolutionary, but if every member of Sanctuary Church won and was committed to winning one person to God each year, 10 years, and we'd have a church of 75,000 people. And you say, well, that's crazy. And I'd say, well, that's, that's faithfulness. People want flash, but faithfulness will get more done. Faithfulness will get more done and more accomplished in your life than flash will. Some people want to be have an experience at an altar, and we all need that, that's going to change their life. But what will really change your life quicker is just living for God every day. I've seen people have, seeming to me from the outside looking in, greater experiences at an altar that I've had, but that aren't in church today because they didn't know how to walk and march the other six days. We don't need flash because the real miracle is in faithfulness. The real miracle is you can plant seeds of faith and in months and or weeks and months and years later you have a tree that is grown and something of value is there. The real the real miracle is that someone could come to Jonesboro, Arkansas and plant a church with just their family and a couple others and in a few years you have a church full and three buildings and, and properties later you're looking for another one. That's the real miracle. That's faithfulness. The miracle and the flash is really in faithfulness. So who's going to be your one this year? Who's going to be your one? How can we allow the faithfulness of God to flow out of us into a hurting world that needs Jesus? I wish somebody could get a hold of this right now. We're not in this for hype. We're not in this for a quick fix because we're planning on being here tomorrow. And if Jesus comes, then it won't matter anyway. We're not in this for a quick fix. We're not in this for the spotlight. But we're in this to faithfully grow the kingdom of God. 
when you received the Holy Ghost, you didn't just sign up for a moment of euphoria, but you signed up for a world-changing life of faithfulness. Superman isn't real. But I've seen some super men and super women of God do some incredible things simply because they were faithful. Because they served him faithfully for 5, 10, 15, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You want to make a difference? Stop looking for the flash and be faithful. Seven days of faithfulness brought the walls of Jericho down. Show me what seven weeks of it looks like in Jonesboro. Show me what seven months looks like. Show me what seven years looks like. If we want to see the supernatural unleashed in this city, faithfulness and nothing but faithfulness is the key. It seems like I've been all over the world this Christmas break. We get two weeks off. Uh, it seems like I've been everywhere. Um, we did the math, and, and it's we get 14 nights off, you know, if you're a teacher, two weeks. And, um, and four of those nights, I'll have slept in my own bed. How awesome is that? It's incredible. One of the trips I was on, the very first one, we, we headed out and we had some professional development that we had to do for school in Chicago. And when we go there, we go to Memphis and we fly out on a plane. And, um, and, and I've done that for, for a few years. I think this, is my, this was my fourth year to go. But, but I got to thinking about how precise these pilots have to be. You ever think about that? Because you're, you're, a runway really isn't that big in the grand scheme of size. You know, when you start at one and then you got to end up at the other one, I mean, I barely get where I'm going and I've got a road. I mean, they just got sky. I don't know. Um, and so I started reading up on this. And, um, and, and I came across this concept um, called the, the one in 60 rule. 1 in 60 rule. And it tells us that a single degree, a single degree in the wrong direction will, will throw a, a flight one mile off where every 60 miles flown. So, for instance, from Memphis to Chicago, just a one degree error could cause that flight to be eight miles off course, just one degree, eight miles off course by the time you got to Chicago from and obviously this gets greater as the distance increases right so you go New York to Los Angeles and in one degree if you continued that way by the time you got to Los Angeles you'd be over 40 miles off track and I started thinking you know this has got to be a big deal for pilots you know if you're trying to get where you're going you can't that that is some precision but but I, I I then thought, you know, how true is this when we live our own lives? How the simplest and littlest thing can throw us so far off track. That, that how beginning to neglect something seemingly most insignificant takes its toll over the weeks and months and years of our life. And the longer it goes, the farther off 
we are. If we can stand together, musicians can come. I came to tell you today that there is nothing more dangerous that we can do. There is nothing more dangerous to your eternal destination. There is nothing more dangerous to your eternal destination than that Bible study that you continually miss. There is nothing more dangerous to your eternal destination than those morning prayers that I never got around to actually praying. There's nothing more dangerous to my destination than than the smallest portion of myself that I hold back from God and I'm unwilling to give Him faithfully. All you've got to be is one degree off to miss the mark. One degree over a life, one degree over years and years will cause you to miss your target by miles. How much would I hate it if at the end of my life I realized I was so far off track by that one degree that I didn't care about all those years ago? How... How terrible would that be to to reach the end of my rope and said, if I'd only been at prayer, that prayer would have made the difference. How, How terrible would that be to say, if I'd only been faithful to read the word in front of my family, that would have made the difference. If I would have only... One degree... One degree. That's why the Bible talks so strongly about the perfecting of the saints. That's why it's so strong about that. Because one degree can ruin a life. The smallest thing can make the biggest difference in your final destination. I pray that in 2018, God will make me so very uncomfortable with every single degree that I get off course. I hope that he ruins me for every degree so that I can know, Clinton, you better get this right. You better be faithful. You better go and do the things that you know how to do or else you're going to end up somewhere so very far from where you want to go. I wonder if today somebody else is feeling this same thing. Somebody else is feeling God's call for faithfulness. That's what he calls us to. He calls us to to obey what we know. He doesn't call you to obey the things that that you've never been told or don't understand. but, But little by little he pulls us along through faithfulness. And I wonder if today, if that's you, you could find you a place to pray. And if that's not you, then then you would try to meet with God too and say, you've, you've been keeping me on a good track, but, but maybe you can just help me stay on this for another year. Everybody ought to meet with God today. Everybody ought to find themselves somewhere to pray, whether it's at the altar at the front or at your seat or with your neighbor. It doesn't it matter but we need to be faithful to go to God with this oh Lord help me be faithful help me to be true to you and true to your word help me to be true to the things that you've taught me help me to be true to the things that you want me to be true to
Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We need you in this 